Bless you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Bless you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Bless you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. 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 So we have nine people. One is coming. Right, so uh, so the uh, altar Rebbe says that when nine people study together, or less, that the Shekhinah dwells am- among them. To be the minion person? One year, there's ten, the Shekhinah dwells in them. That's right. So, you're to you. That's exactly, that's, yeah. exactly, that's exactly what you should be. How cool is that? How cool is that? Would you be kind enough, please, said two or three, so to get a chair and place it here for our minion man? I'd like you to know that he's been expected. As I told you on uh, Shabbos. Um, by the way, thank you. I'm, I'm grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for your accountability. I'm grateful for your service and your walk. It's an example to me. God bless you. Um, we're going to learn tonight about uh, the Ram Khal, who at 17 years old started a group and was leading the Mevachel Hashem. I got it written down, but I can look at it. The Seekers of Hashem. And their focus was strictly to study the Torah that they might prepare the world for the presence of the Shekinah. Very, very cool. An Italian. He was. Mr. Luzato, according to the grocer around the corner. Yeah, he does. Yes. So, I'm excited about this this new deal here to to look at this. So, for those of you who have not um, purchased the book, either from Art Scroll uh, or from um, downloading it for free, cheap people, that's fine. That's a good thing. It is also uh, an excellent book. It is, and it's also available in your Art Scroll app. So if you're reading the Talmud each morning, you can also flip over and read a couple of verses in Meshulach Yisharim. So that's uh, that's the deal there. So um, hopefully you've read the introduction, and we can look at ch- and and chapter one, and we can look at that. Um, I've got just a couple of notes here, um, but you want to. You want to jump in. You don't want to listen to me um, talk uh, all night. Uh, but basically, uh, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lozato wrote this, uh, and uh, he's at uh, 1707. He was born 1747, just before his 40th birthday. He died uh, plague in uh, Israel, so about 30 years ago, and. What he wrote was, I beg your pardon, 300 years ago. What he wrote, 30 years would be just while I was a boy, yes. Um, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Um, although I remember when I was 30. Was, was those really those are good times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I move a little slower now, but I still smile as wide. Um, yeah, about 300 years ago. And, you know, he, he impacted his world with this book so much that the Chofetz Chaim said that he would walk on his knees across Europe 
if the Ramkar was still alive to study with him. That's that's shocking. That's a, that's extraordinary. That's that's mind-boggling. Mavakshe <clears throat> uh, Hashem is what it's called. Seekers of Hashem. Um, by the way, when he started that, he was only seventeen years old. Yeah. Don't you feel like a whip? Yeah, you do. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So he he presents simple principles that people may overlook, and that was the key here that they would overlook these because they were so simple. Uh, but being mindful of these truths, they should become the focus of our lives. That was his deal. He urges us to become, become acquainted with... <clears throat> wow. You know, I was, just, <laughs> I was just telling Johnny that in uh, seven years of uh, study class, <laughs> no, we've never that? been interrupted by a... Uh, uh, it's the yeah. bridegroom, that's why. <laughs> His mind is in other places. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Yeah. Joseph, one other thing too. You know, this it, it sounds like when you read when you read Ron Powell's stuff, you think, wow, what a great teacher. And he must have had just a wonderful life. And his life was just full of hardship. It really hardship. was. Yeah. You know, he he was incredibly successful early on and recognized as a teacher, and then fell from grace and nobody wanted it. He was like a pariah. Yeah. And and in and in, in his learning all these this is one of the things about Corpus Time. You know, his learning of humility in the way that he did. You know, this book actually are the things that he compiled at the end or towards the end of his life as opposed to the beginning when he was all fired up and everybody wanted to hear him. Yeah. This was after he knew the price right. of discipleship or as uh, as our Christian brethren would say, the cost the of discipleship. That's exactly right, yeah. Um, I, was, I was struck in the intro um, by being acquainted with true piety. Mm. And I, I realize that when I read these biographies of these great men of faith, these sages, that's why I love to read about these guys. Guy's on a bus. He, he can't wait to, to go see, was it the Kofetz Chaim? He can't wait to go see the Kofetz Chaim. He doesn't realize he's sitting next to the Kofetz Chaim, who's also taking the bus. And then, you know, they start to talk. And he says, well, you know, what are you here for? Well, I'm going to go see the Kofas Chaim. You know, and he goes, he's just such a great man. And the Kofas Chaim says, well, you know, he's not really anybody special. And he punches him in the face. Poof! Right there in the bus. Bloody nose and everything. How dare you speak against the Kofas Chaim like that? Such a great man of God. Changing the world! Oh my goodness! Puh! Gets off the bus, gets into the auditorium, sits in there, and the auditorium announcer comes out, and, well, we want to welcome you, all of you from all over, and now, without further ado, let me introduce the Chofetz Chaim. Chofetz Chaim comes out, and I go, and chinks down in his chair. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. But being being in the face of true piety and and reading about it, I don't know about you, but that's what I want. It truly is exactly what I want. I don't want to be known the world over. I don't want to be the president of the United States, although I think I could do better than the current one. 
but I desire to have the piety that makes me go, wow, when I read these biographies. That's what I want. That's what I want for my life. And in the reading, at least the intro in the first chapter, I've realized the cost. Because one of the things he says is that if we're going to be acquainted with true piety, then... Is that your name? Yes. It's got to be. We prepared a place for you. Right here. As the minion man, we did. Oh, I was like, where? Right on Taylor's side. Yeah, right there. That's what I was thinking. You're the minion man. So, he says that to have this true piety, we have to set aside time. We have to set aside time to study this essential character trait. We have to study. And to study, we've got to set aside time. So it's not going to happen by accident. It's surely not going to happen by accident in this country. It might happen by accident on Yom Kippur in the land, but it won't happen by accident while we're here. So he gives us five elements we're talking about uh, Rabbi Lusado from 1700s. The Born in 1707, message. died in 1747, and he wrote that. The way of the upright. The five elements. Anybody remember the five elements of complete and perfect service of Hashem? Is that what we're talking about? Simplicity. <laughs> Love is one of them. You got to do it in Hebrew. You got to do that. <laughs> Fear of Hashem. That's right. Emulating Hashem's ways, that's big. You may think that's that's big. Love of Hashem, completeness of heart, and I don't understand what that means yet, but I hope by chapter 16 I'll get there. And then observing all of the mitzvot. So those are the five things. <clears throat> I thought it interesting, uh, since my favorite part in the prayers, especially when I get to, um, to, to play chazen, I, I play chazen. I actually, I actually uh, play one on TV, but in real life, I'm not a chazen. Um, <laughs> the sitter's got this. It's it's my favorite part in the sitter. You've heard it before. The sitter says, "By the mouth of the upright, yeshurim, you shall be lauded. By the words of the tzaddikim, you shall be blessed. By the tongue of the chasidim." Pious. The pious shall you be lauded, and amid the holy kedoshim, the holy ones, shall you be sanctified. Well, that's exactly what he says. From chapter 13 on, prior to chapter 13, he's talking about becoming a tzaddik, like us. That's what he's talking about. The first 12 chapters of this book is how to be a tzaddik, a righteous man. From 13 on, he says, the tzaddik becomes a chassid, and the tzaddik, the, the chassid becomes, uh, the tzaddik, wait, the yeshar becomes a tzaddik, the chassid, the tzaddik becomes a chassid, and the chassid a kadosh, a holy one. 
So that's exactly this thing from the sitter, which of course came from the uh, sages, is exactly what he's doing. Um, Mishle, or Proverbs sixteen seventeen, Shlomo Hamelech says, the way of the upright is turning from evil. So that's the first step. You want to give that up and realize we are righteous men, or righteous men in training, RT. So we need to turn away from evil and study. He uses uh, Rav Pinchas ben Yair and what he had said. Right? Have you, did you guys read that? Um, Torah study brings one to vigilance. In turn, vig- I'm going to do it in English, okay? Just so, I mean, I got people from Gastonia listening. <laughs> Torah, Torah, you in Southern English, man. Torah study brings us to vigilance. <laughs> what? <laughs> in turn, <laughs> vigilance brings one to alacrity. I don't really understand that yet. I thought that alacrity. was alacrity. One of the really, really enjoying what you're doing. Well, it's moving really, really fast. That's what I thought it was because it's also moving fast I was I was told by a very short Latino drill sergeant when I was younger than you who said, "Alphabet, get up." You need to respond with alacrity and response. <laughs> Clear drill, Sergeant. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> I have another. Yeah, I didn't have <laughs> any idea. Okay, alacrity and response. Okay, so vigilance. In turn, vigilance brings one to alacrity. Alacrity brings one to cleanliness. Yes. Cleanly or... Uh, Purity? No, it's not. No. Purity is later. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, cleanliness brings one to abstinence. Yes. Abstinence brings one to purity. Purity brings one to piety. Piety brings one to humility. Humility brings one to fear of sin. Fear of sin to holiness. Holiness brings one to divine inspiration in the English. In the Hebrew... Yeah, the Holy Spirit. And divine inspiration brings one to resurrection of the dead. That's it. That's the Musar. There it is. So... I'm I'm curious. I just you know want to share my thoughts on this book so far. I haven't read the book. It'd be great. I'd be a better teacher if I read the whole book twice and then backwards and then sat here before you and tried to lead this. But I'm not trying to teach you the book. I'm just trying to lead discussion on the book. And I'm hoping that you'll come prepared to discuss week after week until we finish. But I I thought of some questions. I I always understood alacrity to be to move quickly. So if it's to move quickly towards righteousness, to move quickly towards God's intention. desire, to, towards his intention or whatever, that's great. I just don't get it yet in its context. When a mitzvah is an opportunity, you do it right You away. jump on it. Right. Okay. Like, like Abraham woke up early right. to offer Isaac. Okay, okay. And ran. Got it. Well, and ran. Can yeah. even talk. He goes through vigilance for like three chapters. Though. Well, he goes through almost every one of them for three chapters, right. absolutely, and we're going to get there. Um, so, watching out and turning from evil and, and getting ourselves straight, sure, um, where we're at. Then alacrity. Abstinence, I don't get. I mean, it almost implies that we would be sleeping around or something, and that can't be what it means because you couldn't even start without that. So where are we at with abstinence? Is it abstinence from the world's pleasures? That I would get, but we haven't gotten there yet. Purity, I get, and I'd love to hear about your uh, mikvah experience in Boston. Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear about your mikveh experience in Boston, but maybe we can just get you both in the same room at the same time. Um, 
since I'm pretty familiar with both of you. That's good. Um, piety, humility, fear of sin, uh, holiness. Um, you know, um, especially when we started the Torah walk, there, there were a few times since then, over this past decade or more, um, where, let's just say, honorary people <laughs> questioned whether or not I was saved. That's happened, I'd say, two or three times in my life so far, since I've been saved. And my response now is something akin to this. I whip around and look at them and say, I've been called a lot of things. I've done a lot of things wrong. But since the 27th of March in 1981, I don't think anyone in their right mind has ever questioned whether or not I was saved. Stupid, maybe. But saved? There's never been a question about that. And when we get to this uh, holiness thing, I flip it on its head and think to myself, you know, no one has ever said to me, you're such a holy man. No one has ever said that to me. And with my language, they probably never will, but I'm working on that, and you can help me with that. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to study the book and to get it and understand it. And, uh, and, and I, I really want to uh, lift up my son and just uh, share with you that he's been a great inspiration to me over the past uh, month or so. As, uh, as I can see that as he approaches his wedding day, he is really trying to be a man of God and to take advantage of every minute to study and to set a great example for his wife. So, good example. Thank you. Absolutely. Of course, you, right. know that, you know that book will probably turn you into a conservative. So you're moving from orthodoxy to conservative, the next step's reform. That's right. That's right. It will be, next thing you know, we'll be married and homosexual. So we'll be, <laughs> no, they'll just, no, be questioning, they'll just be questioning his side. <laughs> and I, it, it, it really, I mean, it's, it's a remarkable book. It's a remarkable, he was a remarkable man, and it's, the teaching is really good. And you have, to, you have to recognize that when conservative Judaism launches on, uh, latches onto the Musar, you know this, this uh, there can't be any bad, because that's really good yeah. stuff. Can't be any bad. That's exactly right. And it's universally acclaimed. It Absolutely. Really is. Uh, yeah. Christianity can jump on the Musar. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a wonderful uh, cross-pollinization. Christians would, would probably find yes. very little difficulty in the Musar. I agree. Both feet. If we remove the Hebrew words, they'd, they'd be right there. Yeah. You bet. One thing that really hit me was, uh, I guess I've just leftover baggage from from previous walks but when you read the introduction he goes through basically what the book is based on that passage from the Talmud my first thought is like okay well where where do I where where am I on this spectrum you know on one of these and I I was trying to pick like a couple in you know obviously I'm a little past watchfulness I think to myself and it wasn't until you read like the first part of it we were like Oh, okay. Oh, so yeah. far from watchfulness, <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, yeah. it is—it's amazing how high he sets the standard very, very early on. It is amazing, but it and, makes and you want to read it. Because yeah, because it sets it. I want that. I yeah. want that high standard. That's right. And so then you—you you really want to dive in and study to yeah. get there. 
And, and I think that's not hard that's, to read, though. It's not like well, that's that's what's so beautiful about it, right? Right. That he made it easy, and and uh, I think I was telling Peter or one of you guys that uh, it reminded me of uh, the Prince of Preachers, Spurgeon, yeah. uh, right? He would he would preach from the pulpit, but on the side he was writing um, uh, a little journal that went in the newspaper for the simple plowman of the field, and his. His design, his desire was that when he wrote a sermon, it would be able to be understood and applied by the simple plowman in the field. And that, when I started reading, is exactly what I thought. This guy's writing for the regular guy, not the erudite scholar, not the Torah guy who's just finished 97 years of, of uh, uh, yeshiva. It's a regular Jew. And he states that in the introduction that some people are going to disdain this because it's too simple. Maybe they're like, "Well, this can't be it." Um, and he even states that this book, you're going to read it, and you're going to be like, "Okay, I know this. <laughs> when am I going to get to the stuff that I don't know?" Where's the good stuff? You miss the point if you think that you're going to gain knowledge yeah, from this. Exactly. If you want to gain knowledge, go study halakha and all of the you know the codes, etc. But this is to take what your knowledge level is and then to make it so that it's holy dri- it's holiness driven so yeah. it's all about it's supposed to instill the fear of Hashem into the things that you already know so it's just injecting the knowledge you already right. have with like a turbocharged love right. for God and a fear of God there it is so no matter what your knowledge level is it's just going to take that knowledge level and just boost it um, and supercharge it as you just continue learning. So I think it's, it's such a... Yeah. Well, it's, so it's super simple, too. It's just like this and then this and then this and this. Like the yeah. first chapter, he talks about, all right, let's explain what vigilance is. And he's just like, okay, like point... And he summarizes it like five times throughout the first chapter, which is super helpful. But he's like, okay, basically what we're going to be talking about is whatever you find is close, gets you closer to Hashem, just run after that, do that. And then whatever you find detracts from your nearest to Hashem, just run stop away, doing run away from that. that. Right. And it's like, right? I, like everyone, that's just that's not a union you taught that. Yeah. This, but, this is as simple as it gets, right? I yeah. mean, do the good stuff, don't do the bad stuff. I get it. Well, that's, you know, it's difficult to think. It's, that can be more difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's really that where the rubber meets the road kind of thing. But it's like, you know what? I've got to watch the last couple seasons of my television show and, and stuff like that. But, you know, how many hours is that you staring at a box? Yeah. I mean, I don't even own television anymore at Baruch Hashem, but, but I'm just saying, I remember when I, when I did, it, it sucks your life away. Yeah. If, it, if it's doing that, I mean, you're, I read a study somewhere that says that your brain is less active when you're staring at a television when, than when you're sleeping. Yeah. Okay, so... If, or sitting if, on the if, toilet. If, depending if, on if that's the case, then how much more so is that detracting from your time of God? Amen. Amen. Yeah, because you know, I feel like the evil is so much more blurred than probably in his time is. Like now, it's so much more concealed. True. So this is you why you have to, he, his cha- first chapter is right. so super helpful. It's so super. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, because so it's so easy to justify wasting time and and not focusing on Torah throughout the day or maybe skipping Shakari in the morning. It's so easy to justify that. But reading the first chapter it really wakes you up to like, whoa, yeah. wow, I yeah. did not realize how black and white things it's, really it's are. It's a kick in the fanny. 
Yeah, really. I think your comparison to uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, Spurgeon was dead on. Here's the reason why: the man that wrote this book, the simple book, is was a supreme master of Kabbalah, and he was actually known as a as a Kabbalist teacher yeah. uh, in the nth degree. And when he came out with this, it's like, what? Where's, all the, where's all the hidden stuff, man? <laughs> Praise God, right? Because he wrote a bunch of books on yeah. the yeah. yeah. systems, and they say that this book this is the entire thing, yeah. but it's it's just been distilled so far down yeah. that a simple man can read it and not yeah. even know what's going on. Awesome. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. That's a very high praise, considering if, if um, when we talk about Psalm 1, you hear the Torah of Hashem, and in his Torah, so we've got two different Torahs. Right. Torah of Hashem or the Torah that we have man's Torah mm-hmm. and automatically one would assume that Hash, the Torah of Hashem is obviously the more important but the thing that we haven't realized is that it's been distilled it has everything that's that's in the um, infinite actually but it's now contained within something that's finite Amen. so that's, that's very cool. high praise considering yeah. Um, grab uh, somebody, grab uh, electronic paper, whatever, and go to uh, give me Devarim seven eleven. Um, this is what he uh, he starts to kick his his chapter off with. Um, do you remember his uh, his analogy? He starts out with the foyer. Right? I think he calls it the vestibule or something like that. The foyer. He says that the wor- this world it's just like the foyer. Yeah, you know, and you want to get into the banquet hall, but you got to go through the foyer or the vestibule to get to the banquet. And that's where your soul is wanting to go. Yeah, and, and we are created for the banquet hall, but we're standing in the vestibule or the foyer. Well, the foyer is this world, and the banquet hall is the world to come. And we've been created to be in the banquet hall, but to get to it, you have to go through the foyer. And, and the whole idea is that only in the foyer can you do the mitzvot. That's right. They're well, not meant for. That's right. In the banquet hall. In the banquet yeah. hall. You can study Torah, and you can study Torah. If your says that this world is like a waiting room for the next. Well, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. What do you got? That's a different translation. Who's got it? I got it. 7-Eleven. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. Is that what you want? It is. And he and he focuses in the in chapter one on today. Today. The commandments are done today. today. So today we're in the vestibule, the foyer, tomorrow, the world to come. I to me, it I'm fifty five tomorrow. And I thought well, crap. Most of the guys in our class are in their late 20s, mid-late 20s, <clears throat> or their early 30s. You got 20 years on this guy and I. An easy 20 years. How much further will you be ahead of us? Because you learned of this walk and started walking this way long before we even knew about it. And both of us grew up in godly homes. But you, 
you can make so much of the time. Don't squander it like I did. He talks about cleaving, that oneness with Hashem provides that perfection. And, and that's what we need. Um, do you remember what he, uh, what he used about Moshe arguing uh, with, the, uh, with the angels? Do you remember that? Or did you miss that part? Um, he quotes from uh, Shabbat 88b. I just happen to have Shabbat 88b right here. <laughs> and Rev. Yehoshua ben Levi said, When Moshe ascended to the heavenly heights, when did that happen? Right before the giving of the Torah. When did it happen? Where was it? It was outside of the mount. The ministering angel said before the Holy One, blessed is he, Master of the universe, what is someone born of a woman doing among us? Unclean. That's right. God said to them, he has come to receive the Torah. They said before him, the covenant treasured Torah that was stored by you as a treasure for 974 generations before the world was created? You intend to give that to flesh and blood? I'm just jealous. What is a mortal that you should remember him or the son of man that you should recall him? Hashem, our Lord, how grand is your name in all the earth already that you should rather bestow your glory upon the heavens? The Holy One, blessed is he, said to Moshe, give them an answer. Moshe said before him, Master of the universe. Oh, no, I'm skipping that part because it was just in a song. Yeah, it was just in a song. Moshe, I skipped that part, man. Sorry, I'm not reading sequentially. Only those that have read the Talmud would know that I skipped a paragraph. Moshe said before him, Master of the universe, the Torah that you are giving me, what is written in it? I am Hashem your God, who has taken you out of the land of Egypt. Moshe said to the angels, Did you descend from Egypt? Were you enslaved to Pharaoh? Why should the Torah be yours? What else is written in the Torah? There shall not be unto you gods of others. Do you live among nations who worship idols? <laughs> what else is written in it? Remember the Sabbath day to sanctify it. And I want to get down to the one that Lozado uses. Do you engage in labor from which you should need to rest? What else is written in it? You shall not take the name of Hashem your God in vain. Are there any business transactions among you that might lead to oaths taken in vain? What else is written in it? And this is what uh, the Ram Kal uses. Honor your father and your mother. Uh-huh. Do you have <laughs> a father wow. or a mother? Yeah. So, pretty cool. He, uh, well, Moshe smacks the angels, basically, is what happens. Yeah. Um, they, 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 they did. They did. <laughs> yeah, it's like, whoop! Boom! <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when it happens. Because they never read it. Right. Because yeah, can they read? We, that, they, I know they long to look at it, but they, can they, they cannot read. They speak Hebrew, but they don't necessarily read it. Illiterate angels. I hate <laughs> it when that happens. Story of my life. Okay, so, so the, the Ramkal says that there are physical desires in this world and that we are torn between 
extremes of tranquility and suffering. Amen to that. And both extremes draw us away from studying the Torah and drawing close to, cleaving to, or devikut, vekut, with Hashem. Which is what Paul brought up as well. You know, that we should not be, we should ask to be neither in plenty or in poverty. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny the the commentary I was reading um, said that it is the Ron Collard made it so clear simplistically that we were created for the world to come it's so obvious that we were created for the world to come and not for this world because it just, it just doesn't work here and we're struggling here but we won't struggle there and then he flips the argument on his head and says it's not only logical that we were created for that but it's obvious we were not created for this. It doesn't make sense. And he kind of summarizes by saying there really is no pleasure in this world. Very subtle. Yeah. And that was shocking to me to recognize any pleasure I have right now is strictly for the body and is strictly fleeting. If I was, if I'm standing in the in the foyer and I'm 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 straightening my bow tie and getting ready to meet the queen, the king, whomever, physical pleasure should be the last thing on my mind. Because I'm about to go into the room I was intended, the room I I, I went in here to get to. Well, why would I distract myself with any type of physical pleasures while in this little narrow vestibule or, or foyer? I, this is earth-shattering, mind-boggling, but certainly not novel. And that's the cleverness of the whole book. I was struck this year when we were reading through Ecclesiastes during Sukkot, like yeah. how... I guess I just brushed over it on, in prior years, but this year it really stuck out to me how how detailed Shlomo gets in describing how much he actually acquired. He tried it all. He just he tried everything. He yeah. had everything, and still says at the end of it, like, nah, it was nothing. It's not it's really nothing. Yeah, it's really. And then, of course, what does he say? Pure God to keep his mitzvot. Pure God to keep his mitzvot. It's, it's like the summary of all that, which all fits perfectly with this book. It here. sure does. That's exactly right. So, chapter one is a is a kickoff to be vigilant, and and the next chapter, chapter two, he goes into that. And is it zehikut? Zehikut? Zehirut? You know, leave it to the Jews to give me two words that are synonymous. Hama? Zehirut? Yeah, that are. That sound the same. Thank you. Homophones. Homophonic. I don't care who you marry. It's okay. Yeah. As long as you can say. That's right. So, cool. All right. So, um, I have one more thing to to just uh, bless you with. 
from the uh, Leatherbound Pure K vote. Thank you very much. Um, he he quotes that in uh, in this chapter. So uh, let me just read to you using oh, my happy card. birthday card yes. as a um, bookmark here. The Mishnaic links. Um, I vote for uh, 16. Rav Yaakov said, This world is like an antechamber before the world to come. Prepare yourself in the antechamber so that you may enter the banquet hall. So, um, true to his word, the Ramkal didn't write down anything new. <laughs> Nothing novel. He's quoting, you know, everybody before him. He's making it as simple as can be. You read this every single year. And every year, you read it multiple times because you're going to go through it several times during the time between yeah. the holidays. Well, there it is. So, um, <clears throat> the commentary anthologized from classic commentators and the Hasidic masters uh, provided by Rabbi Gavriel and Rivka Holtzberg in their memorial edition says Rav Yaakov is answering the question raised by Rav Yanai why do the righteous suffer while the wicked prosper Rav Yaakov answers that this world is only an antechamber to another world the righteous who suffer in this world will more greatly enjoy the pleasures of the next the wicked who prosper in this world are being given their physical reward for their good deeds but it is to the detriment, since they will not receive reward in the next world. Do not be afraid to exile yourself to a place of Torah. <laughs> I read that last week. And I had to put the book down. Why? I have never exiled myself to a place of Torah. <laughs> because you were afraid. Because I was afraid. I guess. I mean, I study, I read, I fit it in. But I've never exiled myself to a place of Torah. And I see my son doing that now. And I think it's cool. The reason I laughed, um, it was funny, because I feel like that's what I essentially did to my wife when uh, when we got married. You exiled her? To a place of Torah, which is here in this community. Um... (laughs) And I felt like that's what I did too, even though it wasn't intentional at the time. When I moved up here, I, I didn't move up here to, you know, be a part of this community. But that's what happened. Right. And your and your previous community was very different in, in flavor from ours. Very true. Very cool. Very cool. How about that? Yeah. Strawberry? <laughs> a rock, rock flavored from Barack. But in addition to that, it can be a physical place, but perhaps it's not mainly a physical place. Agreed. But a, but a, but a mindset which Absolutely. actually goes back to the wrong call and actually it's the first chapter. Right. Do not be afraid to exile yourself to a place of Torah, although you may suffer discomfort in your exile. For just as a visitor to the king would not fuss over the conditions of the antechamber, since his entire purpose is to enter into the king's presence, similarly, do not fret over your material comforts in this world, since this world is merely an antechamber to the meeting you have with the king of kings. That's extraordinary. 
It would seem that a properly paralleled adage would read, this world is like an antechamber, the world to come is like a banquet hall, prepare yourself, etc. It seems, however, that Rav Yaakov avoids stating explicitly that the world to come is like a banquet hall, and instead says, this world is like an antechamber before the world to come. Hadar Harkarmel suggests that this is because our experience of the world to come is dependent upon our deeds in this world. Only one who prepares himself in the antechamber will indeed experience the world to come as a banquet hall. I think our master said something similar to that. If you don't keep the commandments and you teach others not to keep his commandments, it's not that you're not in the kingdom. It's that you'll be least. That's it. Or maybe sweeping up outside better one day in your courts or on the doorstep as it were than a thousand in the tents of the wicked yes hang on one second just one of you whoever had it was it you yeah just as it just as a visitor to the king prepares himself in the antechamber by fixing his hair beard and clothing likewise I think there was an assumption there that there was a beard. There was, there was, yeah, a, yeah, there was a suit. Of course. Was we, a suit. Must, <laughs> we must prepare ourselves in this world with tshuva and good deeds. A person would never elaborately decorate his antechamber, but leave his, his home bare. Yet how many of us expend much effort and money on our antechambers, our material lives, while ignoring the decoration of our homes, the spiritual purpose of our lives? Rav Yaakov is cited above regarding the importance of not disrupting Torah study, even to praise God for the beauty of nature. In this chapter, however, Rabbi Yaakov is emphasizing the difference between this world and the next, which manifests itself primarily in Shuvah and Mitzvot. Only in this physical world can Shuvah and Mitzvot be fulfilled, but not in the next. Torah, in contrast, can be studied in the next world as well. His statements in this mission are therefore not cited along with his statement in chapter 3, since here he is emphasizing the importance of tshuva and mitzvot, whereas in the previous chapter he is emphasizing the importance of Torah study. The next three chapters are all about the Kabbalistic perspective, but I don't want to hurt you. Well, there's another place in the Pirkei that says it's you know, better is one hour of repentance in yeah. this present world than in the world to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, uh, it's interesting because it, one could take the passage that you quoted from Yeshua about like being least in the kingdom versus great in the kingdom, and and say like, oh well, that's I'll just take it easy in this world, like not focus so much on like keeping all these commandments, enjoy myself, and then at least I'm in the kingdom. But it's interesting because later on. He, uh, the Rome call, addresses that very specifically, and and he quotes a passage from the Talmud that Taylor and I were talking about, which I, I don't remember the verbatim, but it's basically like if somebody says, "Oh, I'll just sin now and then repent later," like that is the height of like arrogance and and sin, basically. Yeah. And it's it's cool that he goes ahead and addresses that because then you, you may remember, but he kind of describes how. Just as now, where we can't stand to see our neighbor with more than what we have, that's how it will be in the world to come. It's not that you're least in the kingdom and you don't even realize it and you're you're just sitting pretty. It's like almost a really bad thing because yeah. you get to see everyone else with more than what you have. And it's like that perpetual, like eternal 
jealousy almost yeah. between Kicking people. The, and, uh, and it helped really put that verse into perspective and not think like, oh, well, I'm just going to take it easy and, and not focus so much. But really, like, when you compare it get from, like, heaven to hell, then you're like, oh, well, not hell. Yeah. Right. But if you compare it with, like, well, it's it's not a good place to be just in the kingdom and least. Right. It's not a pleasant, it's not pleasant whatsoever. Right. The sages actually say the shame in uh, the world to come is hurts more than Gehenna. Yeah. And that the Zadokim will be singed by the, the neighboring Zadokim's canopy. And that's Zadokim. And because the, the neighbor, so. the neighboring Zadok has done has done a better job in this world, he singes your yourself because you're his neighbor. So yeah. that's a Zadok. And uh, it gives you a it's certainly a different perspective on how to how to act. Well, it reminds me of Daniel Lancaster's story about the, the castaway. It was castaway on an island, and uh, the natives, king of the king. island. King of the, the island. island. And the natives found him and said, wow, treasures in heaven. Know, we're, you're our lost king. And he's like, no, I'm not. And, you know, it's like, yes, you are our lost king. And, it's written. You know, and they're basically, they're, they're just, I mean, he lives high in the hog. Everything's wonderful. You know, and he's like, this is really kind of weird, but it's okay. What happened to the last king? Yeah, well, so he starts <laughs> asking, well, there's another island over there. Have you been over to that other island? Yes, that's where all our other, our former kings go. Well, Former kings, uh, can I go see it? Yeah, so he goes over and basically there's like you know, um, it's like oh, it's horrible, <laughs> dead bones. Well, yeah, well, dead the, yeah, exactly. Dead bones. Else said, well, why'd they come here? And they said, well, when a new king shows up, we send our old kings over there. And so he said, we have a plan. <laughs> Every moment of of our day is going to be spent sending food. Build me a house over on that other island. So it's fully stocked, house, beautiful, you know, wonderful. He sent servants over. Make sure nothing is lacking. And sure enough, one day, another castaway on the island, and they picked him up and took him to his His island. island. Yeah. My island. My island. My island. But it shows words, you know, that we shouldn't shouldn't lay up treasure here, but we should lay up. And obviously he's not talking about the goods of the world in the sense of how crass that is. I mean, goods of the world is so far beyond what he was talking yeah. about. He's talking about actually laying up our our hopes, our dreams, and our our expectations for the world to come as opposed to this world. So he speaks directly to Torah and its votes and you know the things which are the transcend exactly the of the higher than just the material of the exactly. things of true lasting value. That's it. To uh, Greg's point earlier about like, oh, I'm just gonna sin and um, repent later. That's actually um, I read Art Scroll's book about the uh, about Yom Kippur, the holiday, and in it he itemized uh, Ramban's uh, 24 um, inhibitions to um, uh, to to shuba. So it's and among included among them was the person who says. I'm going to sin now so that I can repent later or so that I can, you know. Greatest repentance. Exactly. So yeah. it's, it's um, that, that's a major, yeah. that, that's a big one. Alan and I were driving to dinner uh, last night and uh, we're behind a car with a bumper sticker. Coexist. And this, this says, uh, Coexist. My favorite. <laughs> it says, uh, <laughs> 
most people most people claim they will repent at the eleventh hour. Well, actually, most die people bought die at ten thirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why the sages also say repent one day before you die. <laughs> so, in other words, today. Exactly. Well, so, well you know, the Christian will take that as you can't, you shouldn't do that well, on your yeah, deathbed. The makes blah, it clear. Blah, 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 blah. Behold, well, today, Hayom. Exactly. It's a day of salvation. Literally come. Hayom. Other comments? If you don't have the book, I want to encourage you, as I said, if you want to get it on your iPad through the Artscroll app, it's $9.99 one-time fee. If you want to buy it like this, I think it's $14.99? $19.99? Excluding shipping and handling. Excluding shipping and handling. At the Artscroll store. Or, as Greg found out, uh, I think I sent you guys like nine different links. I mean, you can you can download it for free as a PDF. Um, I like getting the Art Scroll one only because the footnotes and and uh, commentary at the bottom is really extraordinary. And so, it's in real English. It is. And, and it's, it's this true. is the Art Scroll one. Yeah. Because I've got the digital copy, but it's been difficult to read. I need a hard copy. That's what we're saying. Reads so easy. Yeah. It's really. The, the, yeah, the, the PDF is, is just tough English. It's the old English. The arts, yeah, the Art School Digital is also very awesome. It's, yeah, it's I, I, I have, yeah, well, no, it's, I have it's, the Art School Digital. The Art School Digital one. Well, like on a, ta on a tablet. No, on yeah, a tablet. Yeah, I don't have a tablet, though. The Art School Digital one. Is that what you one have there? Yeah. What's that? You don't have that. You don't have What you have is not the Art School iPad app, right? It is. Yeah, he does have the idea. It's verbatim what's in that book. Okay. Verbatim. Yeah, he's it's just talking about the display. It's difficult to read. Oh, I thought you meant difficult Did to read. I? Oh. Why is yeah. it difficult to read? Because he's reading on my phone. Okay, maybe it's the phone that's the problem. Because I've got exactly that. Yeah, and it's identical to that. Yeah, it's physically difficult to read, not intellectually difficult to read. Okay, so it's not the book that's physically difficult to read. It's the phone that's physically difficult to read. Yeah, not enough pixels. Yeah, not enough pixels. Not enough pixels. Yeah. Give me three billion. Well, get it on a Kindle, my read better. So, the iPhone. I'm pretty sure in the world to come there are more pixels. What's up? Increase the text size. I want to encourage you. to the side. The one on the iPad app for our scroll is literally verbatim, page for page, identical to that, and you can actually touch. And have it bring up your daily uh, footnotes. footnotes that are in the book. In order to get the Talmud references, you have to have the Talmud. By the way, it is. I'm sorry. In order to get the Talmud references, you have to have that tractate of the Talmud. It doesn't just pre-populate them. By the way, it is. It is true that they are hyperlinks, but they won't come up as hyperlinks unless, unless you also have the Talmud. But when it says he said in Aravine 22a, you, you literally can touch Aravine 22a and it will bring it up on the screen for you. So yeah, I mean it's pretty cool stuff. But you don't need to get the iPad app, you can buy the book. Um, but as normal, as usual for our class, if you're financially strapped and you can't get the free PDF, you don't have internet access, you know, you've got no teeth. We'll we'll live in Gastonia. Come on over here. He's trying to navigate Netscape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Netscape. <laughs>
AOL. You're stuck in AOL, AOL. and you know, your AOL browser won't yeah. let you do it. What's the stream? Dial up with a murder. And if you're embarrassed to keep going to Joseph, they come to me. There you go. I live closer to you than I do to. I mean, as far as buying one. Oh, no, no, no. If you're embarrassed to keep asking for him, I'd be glad to contribute to anybody that wants one. Anonymous offering place? So, what was this week's. What are we do? What are we going to do? Talk to us about what we're going to do. Okay. Um, what we're doing is walking through this book chapter by chapter. Wait, but what are we going to do today? We just did. Like, we just did. How this, was it? Like this week. How was it? <laughs> that was the intro. Oh. Are we just going to think about. Well, now this, this next more. week, like, as you're reading you chapter two. Vigilant. Um, if you if you'll check you out, have to read chapter one and catch up. Yeah, if you haven't read it. So chapter one is man's purpose in the world. Man's purpose in the world, and <laughs> the next chapter. I read it. I read it. Chapter. Chapter two. So are we gonna are we gonna vigilance. hit on vigilance next week? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, chapter two is the trade of vigilance and what it's all about. Excellent. Um, chapter three are the elements. Of vigilance, and then chapter four is how to acquire vigilance. So basically, he's got three chapters on every principle, and chapter four will get us to the vigilance one. Chapter five, we move on to the next. So read through chapter four. No, no, no. I think we should. I I don't want to put put a burden on the men. If you just read chapter two, I'm fine. We can do that. Next week, when we're done doing vigilance, if we think, hey, this is a little too easy, the chapters are really short, we should be able to do more, then we'll go ahead and step it up. But I want to start slow and easy and give everybody a chance to get the book and read it and make it a practice. I will say this. I'm not really concerned about reading most of these chapters. I want to get to chapter 13. Because... Everybody who's read this book, who's brighter than me, and who has a name that everyone recognizes, says that in chapter 13, he starts to kick some butt. 13 is where he is moving through those things that we say in the Siddur. He's moving from being a tzaddik to being a chassid. That's where the change is. And if you'll notice, it's about halfway through the book. So I don't mind moving a little slow through the first half, so that everybody understands these character traits that we're supposed to get. So that when we move forward and get into 13, I want to move from being a tzaddik to a hasid. So at the end, I've got all the tools necessary to be a kadosh. That's my goal. But again, we'll, we'll take it a little bit at a time and see if if reading one chapter, they're really easy to read. I mean, so we talked about at the beginning, right? It's simple. It's written for simple men. That means it's written for me. You guys are much brighter than me. You should have no trouble. You should be able to fly through this deal, right? So we're going to do only chapter two for next week. I can tell you already, Colby's already read it. Because he thinks we're a chapter ahead. Hi, Colby. If you're watching this, you're stupid. That's yeah, probably, yeah, that's probably down, good to keep... Down. Probably good to keep Colby on a chapter ahead. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Colby, next week we're on chapter seven. Seven. <laughs> yeah. Colby, we won't even be to chapter two next week. <laughs> so that's that's where we're at. Does it make sense?
a good question. Are you there? Okay. Um, do we still have the, that green Talmudic thing over there? No. Your only volume of the Jerusalem Talmud? The Jerusalem Talmud. <laughs> yeah. It's not over there. I'll just grab it here. It's okay. I got all the rest. Really? Yeah. Just for say, first back. $40 for something? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, I, I think that. I had a point. For $25 ship for free or... Nineteen ninety nine with eighty dollars shipping. <laughs> yeah. Are we buying something off eBay then? No, Amazon. They pay. They pay a very small contingent for an antique bike. That book is expensive on Amazon. Thank you, O Adonai, my God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall, and you have not established our portion with idlers. For we arise early; they arise early, but we arise early for the words of Torah. They rise early for idle words. Evidently, they don't recognize that this is just the antechamber. We toil and they toil. We toil and receive reward. They toil and do not receive reward. We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come. Unfortunately, they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written in you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction, men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for us, we will trust in you. Amen. 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 Gentlemen. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to lead us in this. I'd also be grateful if uh, you'll share with me a bottle of my favorite wine, who someone brought. I'm not sure who. But Johnny May. <clears throat> thank you, Johnny. Um, maybe just a small glass before you go home. Um, let's drain that bottle. Yeah.